Welcome to the Men's Global live stream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots. I want you to hold one in Genesis chapter 2 and the other in Exodus 20. If you're joining us for the first time, we're doing a series called Hearing God. And our basis for that is that the Bible says that all believers are in a battle to connect with and hear God clearly so that we can know God, experience him, and hear from him. See, you have to hear God in order to depend on God. You have to hear God in order to trust God. Why? Because the Bible says you're in a relationship, and God wants that relationship strong. He wants that relationship intimate. He wants that relationship life-changing and life-transforming. But for that to happen, we got to be with him, and we have to hear from him, listen, personally, clearly, and regularly. And that was the basis for part one. So if you're joining us for the first time, I encourage you to go back and listen to part, part one. Um, the need to hear God in order to know and experience and grow a relationship with God. That's, that's the basis for everything that we're talking about. Now, what we're talking about and what we talked about in part two and three and today in part four, we're talking about the four battles, the four disciplines, the four rhythms of life that have to be a part of, of your rhythm in order to hear God. And in part two, we talked about the first battle in order to hear God that we have to win. We gotta win slow over hurry. In part two, we talked about the second battle, all right? And that's, we have to win quiet over noise. Today in part four, what we're gonna talk about is the third battle, the third discipline, the third rhythm of life. We have to win and that's we have to win rest over restlessness, and we're going to get into what that means. We've got to win rest over restlessness. Now, when it comes to winning true rest, the way the Bible defines rest, you have to create a context for rest. And the context for rest, biblically and practically, and we all know this, guys, is work. You have your work life, right? If you have any responsibilities to anybody, right? You work hard, all right? And I wanna give that to every man out there. If there are others depending on you, you will work hard to provide and to support uh, those, those people. Now, there's a whole subculture after work and that is the subculture of rest. And this is the multi-gazillion dollar marketing universe because all marketing and advertisers know that people who work hard are aching for rest and for relief and for recovery to divert themselves away from their work life and to recover from their work life. Amen? Okay. Just wanna make sure we're all on the same page. Now, we do a lot of things to divert ourselves from our work lives in order to experience rest and filling and fulfillment, right? We do family, amen, right? We collect and connect with friends, amen. We do God. We go to church, we read our Bibles, we go on vacation, all right? We go out to eat to get 
some diversion from work. We stream shows and veg and binge on Netflix and Peacock and Paramount and Hulu and all the rest of the streaming platforms, right? We socialize, okay? I socialize, do you socialize? We socialize around tons of things. We socialize around craft whiskey. We socialize around craft beer. We socialize around hobbies. All right, you got a hobby? We socialize around talking about the gear connected to our hobbies, all right? We are into sports. We are into fantasy general management of sports, right? You guys know who you are. I don't know how you did the season, but you know who you are. And we do all these things. It's a lot of output. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of energy. And question for all of us, is that output and energy and effort really achieving for us relief and rest from our work? Is it filling our souls? I think if we're honest, most of us would admit that after all that output, all that energy, all that effort into all the ways we divert from work to find rest and fill our souls, that we're still restless. How do we know, right? Because we do all of those things, but then there's that elusive more. Something's missing. We're not all the way. We finish the vacation and then we need a vacation from the vacation. We finish that hunting trip or that golf outing or we finish that streaming show to get the rest that we need and we're tired and wired still. What is the deal? So into this existence of work, rest, and restlessness, God speaks. And you know what he says? I will give you rest. <laughs> now, why does God feel the need to say, I will give you rest when we're doing all these things to divert from work and find rest? It's because we're restless, right? And we have to be at rest, true rest, in order to know, experience, and hear God well. So it's, it's a battle, okay? And you're in it, and I'm in it, and we need to win the battle of rest over restlessness, all right? So here's where we're going. We're gonna answer the question. What's the basis of this restlessness, okay? And then we're gonna give God's answer to it, all right, to restlessness. And then we're gonna look at what full rest looks like biblically, so we can fully hear God, all right? And then we're gonna look at something interesting. What does fighting for and securing true biblical rest communicate from our lives, all right? And then at the end, we're gonna get super practical. If you want biblical rest, true rest over restlessness, we're gonna talk about a little plan to achieve it. But let's first answer the question, why are we restless? And if you downloaded the notes, and by the way, so important when you come to the Men's Global Livestream, download the notes because then it gives you a hard copy, you learn better when you write things down, and you can reteach this to 
uh, a friend, a men's group, or at your church? Okay, so let's answer the question, why are we in this tension of rest versus restlessness? Genesis chapters one and two, I put a couple of verses together that are connected. It says this, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Okay, so we start by observing something very simple, and I want you to write this down. We have unlimited desires inside. God says, let's make man in our own image. You and I have forever DNA, and that applies across the soul dimensions of our lives, right? We have forever desires. We have forever DNA. Why? Because we're made in God's image, and God is eternal. He is forever, right? And when it comes to having unlimited desires inside because of our makeup, because we're made in God's image, we're eternal creatures, those desires that we have become an engine of our lives, right? Desires move our thoughts. Desires move our bodies. Desires move us to discipline ourselves. Desires move us to risk. Desires move us to sacrifice. Desires move us to give our precious resources of time and energy and resources, right? So very powerful, but that's what we need to see. We are made in God's image we have an eternal forever DNA, and that expresses itself in the dimension of our inner desires. Those are unlimited too. They're seeking forever. They're seeking eternal fulfillment, okay? Second observation is on top of this unlimited desire inside, we have to then lay in that we have a limited existence. So Genesis 2.7 says that we are made and informed from the dust. 126 says we're made in God's image. We have that forever, forever aspect to us. But then it says we're made from the dust. And after the fall, God says in Genesis 3.19 that we go back to dust. All right, so you've got unlimited and limited and eternal and temporal in one being, right? A human being. And so there is a tension, there is a conflict. You have, you have eternal and temporal, right? You have made in his image, but we're made from dust, and then we're returning to the dust. And so you have this, this tension. Now, when you look at the first two points, we have unlimited desires inside, we have a limited existence inside. One plus two will equal three, and that's your third fill-in, and it's this. We live with unsatisfied longings, okay? Infinite desires, finite soul, chronically unsatisfied desires, aka restlessness. So, if you ever wondered where that missing piece of the puzzle is, it's right here in Genesis 1 and 2, 
and then three in the fall of man. You have infinite desires, true. You have a finite soul, true, right? You are restless, okay? Now, let's just extrapolate that equation out. To be fully satisfied, you have to experience everything and everyone and be experienced by everything and everyone to be fully satisfied, right? Problem, limited time, limited energy, limited resources, limited capacities. So what do you do now, okay? Look to your notes. I got good news for you. God says this, write this down. Put all your desires in one place, right? The Bible tells us where to put all that longing and all that pent up desire that things of earth can't satisfy. Listen to Psalm 37 verses three and four. It says this, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Listen, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Circle, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires, okay? Plural of your heart, all right? So God says, you gotta put all your desires in one place to realize the soul desires that you have and put it in him. Now, Jesus takes this a step further in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. He says this, come to me, okay? All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the solution to restlessness, according to Jesus, right, is relationship with Jesus, partnership with Jesus, and an invitation to imitation. I'm gonna say that again. The solution to restlessness is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and a partnership with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And Jesus issues this invitation to imitation, right? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls, that forever DNA inside. So cool. But what is the invitation to imitation too? His rhythm and modeling and command of rest. So the solution to restlessness, true restlessness versus false, true rest versus false rest, a blessed rest versus a synthetic rest, right? Which just leads to more restlessness, right? How does that connect with our theme of hearing God, right? Well, there's no such thing as a restless, good hearer of God. In fact, restlessness kills communication and connection with God. But true rest, when you're at rest, when you're free of other concerns and you're able to get there in God, now you can connect with God, right? That's what we talked about in part one. So you can see what's at stake in 
having true rest versus false rest, right? A blessed rest, right? Versus one that just increases more restlessness. And we gotta look to the source, okay? So now we're gonna look at how. How do we achieve full hearing of God, right? Well, that means biblically, and it's right there on your notes, a full, listen, stop for God. Let's look at Genesis 2, verses 2 through 4. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created in May. This is the account of the heavens and the earth uh, when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Okay? Now let's move to the implication for us. It says this in Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle, or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, so it's this picture of a full stop. In fact, that's what Shabbat or Sabbath means. It means to stop. Okay? Don't buy anything, don't sell anything, you don't surf the net, you don't work, you put the phone down. I mean, it's, it's a complete cessation uh, of work, all forms of work, and we're going to get into that a little bit more and a couple other things that stop. But what I want you to see for now, and I want you to write this down, is first that God models stopping for him. Okay, God models it. First of all, right? That's what we read in Genesis 2. Full stop. God does a full stop. And what God models for us is always meant for us, okay? And has implications for us because there's an invitation to imitation, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Secondly, God blesses stopping for him. All right? The purpose of stopping is to divert from work, stopping that, but getting a true rest to fill your soul, all right? Third, God expects weekly stopping for him. Weekly, it's very clear. Six days and then one day, right? Another six days, then one day. Another six days, then one day. And this is really gonna be where the fight is, and we're gonna talk about that fight in a little bit. But for now, I want you to see that God models stopping for him. God blesses stopping for him. God expects weekly stopping for him. So how does that connect, all right? We gotta answer the question, well, what am I stopping, okay? Three things. And the first thing is, we stop 
working. God stopped working, we stopped working. Good enough for God, good enough for us. Really difficult in the digital age because work is in your pocket. It's not, well, I gotta go put this thing on a large land mammal and uh, strap on so that I can plow a field, right? But you know, God wouldn't say this unless it was a problem. That somehow man's desire for either accomplishment or accumulation, he has to be God. He has to work all the time. He's, he's got to take care of himself. He's got to take care of it all. That's why God commands stop me. But we stop working. Look at what it says in scripture. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work. Then he commands it onto his people. The same rhythm. Okay, now you have to understand the context for these words. It's the fourth commandment, right? To remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Who's he talking to? What is their experience? What's the context for telling people to stop? He's talking to former slaves who never stopped working. They never stopped working. They worked all day. They worked every day until they died. Now, that gives those words a little bit of meaning, right? And God says, new rhythm. All right, this was your old rhythm. When you were slaves to your work, new rhythm. You're going to set aside this day, and you're going to not work. And I'm going to bless that day. It's going to be full of blessings. There's other things that you're going to do. And it's, it's going to be life-giving for you. And you're going to learn not to live from work. You're going to learn to live out of rest. But you can't rest until you stop working. Now, in today's digital environment, that is a war. Because again, work is in your pocket. But on this day, then and now, you stop. Whether you are answering a text or you're going out to do physical labor, you stop. You find a day, you stop on that day, and you're gonna do other things. So, what does it mean to have true rest. Well, God says you stop working and he model it. Second, you stop wanting, okay? You stop wanting. We look back at the text from Genesis. It says, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What does that look like? He stops, he rests. What's God doing? He's enjoying what he did. And the Lord looked around and he said, this is good, this is good, this is enough for now, I'm gonna stop, right? He paused, he was satisfied, he was not wanting more, not needing to do more, right? He did nothing that day and God forbid, he was okay with it. And God blessed that day in which he did nothing. Now, for a lot of us listening, including myself, that is a completely foreign concept. I'm a military brat. Our days off were work, 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 and more work, right? 
mow all three lawns, sweep and mop the garage, spick and span your room. Man, you don't even ask for a diversion from work and don't get any rest until you finish work on Saturday, right? So you might've grown up like me or you just might be caught up in this hurricane of digital technology that now it's so fluid, you don't know how to stop working and stop wanting. But I have to tell you this, and this is a prophetic word for me, I'm holding up the mirror, and for you, there are a lot of us who feel like they need, we need to be doing something all the time. If you feel like you need to be doing something all the time, that you can't sit still, that you're not okay with doing nothing, all right, that's code for idolatry. You're God, you're in control, you have to do it, you're in charge. If you're not doing something, then who's doing it? There isn't a creator who's, who knows all that already and, by the way, orchestrates everything and controls everything and controls the future, but you take on control and you take on your own future. So this is really important. Not only do we stop working, we stop wanting, all right? Third, we stop worrying, okay? We stop worrying. You know, pick up this theme. I wanted to bring some New Testament into this, right? And it's Jesus. And he says this, and which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then uh, you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor sin, but I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes, the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace. How much more will he clothe you, you men of little faith? Wow. How much more? See, this is the, the battle of fear versus faith. Rest versus restlessness. Because there's no such thing as restful worrying. All right? That's an oxymoron. It's just, it's just fear wrapped in concern, a legitimate concern. That's what, that's what worrying is. A lot of us worry really well and we justify it, but it's just fear wrapped in concern. But have you ever noticed that panicky thoughts lead to panicky behaviors, right? And panicky behavior is, is rooted in fear where we're just going to do God's job for him, right? And the juxtaposition of stopping, right? Working, wanting, worrying, and true rest lets God be God. When you stop worrying, you're acknowledging God's got it. You know, that's what usually causes us to stop worrying. Like we fret, we panic, and then somebody comes alongside of us and says, I got it. And then you believe in the person and capacity of that person, and then you're your anxiety level goes down, right? Jesus takes it a step further. It's like, you control very little. I, God controls seven billion in every ecosystem, biological, neurological, atmospheric, on the planet, including Earth's rotation and placement from the sun, tilting, all of that. How much more if he does all that 
and takes care of all the little creatures and things, how much more you, the pinnacle of his creation, how much more will he clothe you, provide for you, cover you? And Jesus gives us the root of the problem. You don't have faith. Worry and faith. There's no such thing as a faith-filled worrier, right? So that's an oxymoron, right? So you see the, the juxtaposition, right? So true rest, what are we stopping from? Shabbat, rest. We stop working like God. We stop wanting like God. And we stop worrying and trying to be God, okay? Now, if you fight to stop in your life, biblically, and do Sabbath, all right? It says three things, all right? Here's what stopping for God and winning Sabbath, rest, true rest, communicates. Number one, it says God is enough. God is enough. God's got me. God supplies everything. God's in control of everything. God knows everything. God has my future. God loves me. God sees me. God's able. God has my best interest in mind. I can stop for a day. I can stop working. I can stop wanting. I can enjoy what he's, he's provided me for that one day. And I can enjoy it. And in faith, I'm going to stop thinking about being God and controlling the future. Wow. So if you fight for and win true rest, Shabbat, Sabbath, over restlessness, right? What does that communicate? It says, you're saying God's enough. The second thing it communicates is it says enough to the world, right? Enough already to the twin gods of today's culture. First, the God of accomplishment and performance, right? I'm only as good as my last act of busyness, right? How are you? I'm so busy. As if that's accomplishment. That's code for accomplishment in today's secular culture. When you say you're busy, oh gosh, I'm just so busy. I'm doing all this stuff. You know, it means purpose, meaning, busyness, right? Not if you're a man of God, right? When you win rest, and you win a Sabbath, 24 hours of not working, wanting, or worrying, right? You're saying to the world, you're sticking it to the world, right? Just like, sorry, not controlled by that spirit of accomplishment, and I'm not controlled by the spirit of accumulation, aka materialism, right? That does not control me, that desire for more, more stuff. I got to keep working right? So if you want to stick it to the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? Do Sabbath. Take 24 hours. Stop working. Stop wanting. Enjoy what you have. Be content, grateful, right? And stop worrying about the future because God's got your future. Whoa, man. Never thought about sticking it to the devil that way, have you? Right? The third thing it communicates when you win Sabbath, rest, when you stop, is it says ordinary life is enough. What does that mean, ordinary life? It means sleeping, maybe sleeping in on your Sabbath day. 
taking a long sacred Saturday, right? Turning off your phone the whole time. Whoa, oh my gosh, God forbid, right? You're gonna, you're gonna miss out on something. But if you let people know, you know what? Sacred Saturday. I let some people know their time. Hey, sorry, I got back to you really late, but you know, we call it Sacred Saturdays in the Luck House for a reason. And um, the next day, the person I said that to texted me back. Said, I love that idea, Sacred Saturday. Right? It was just a day to rest, and we're going to talk about just doing life-giving things, worship, prayer. Um, ordinary life is enough. Doing the dishes is enough. And when you're doing dishes, you're saying, gosh, I'm really glad for the food that was once on these dishes. You know? Having a long conversation, right? Ordinary life. Things that's, it, and you know, by the way, ordinary life and having Sabbath, it, it doesn't mean you, you get a break from church. Okay, that, that's not what I'm talking about. But ordinary life is enough. The people in my life, what God has given me in my life, sleeping, eating, resting. Um, I'm just not working, and I'm not wanting more than what I have at the moment. And uh, I'm not worried about it, because I know the Lord, and He's in control, and He wants me to do this, and He says that I can be okay with that. So for those of you OCD high performers that have to be doing something, right? Um, it's okay. Ordin your ordinary life is holy and it's blessed when you just are content with it and you enjoy it. Family, people, activities. Um, in fact, I want you to write something down. Sabbath or stopping, Shabbat, is a spiritual weapon. It's a spiritual weapon. It's, it, it resists Satan's strategy to speed us up, get us into performance, accomplishment, accumulation, right? And it just sticks it to that and says, I'm not controlled by that. I don't have to do anything right this moment because there's God. And I want the how much more. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to feel like I'm... I'm living an unmeaningful life if I maybe take a day to just sleep in and be with my peeps, my family, or my people. If I, you know, do some, some things that are life-giving, right? We're going to talk about that in the plan. But I want us to first look at this verse, and it's a, a command from Psalm 116, verse 7, and it says this, Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Saying, oh my soul, God is enough. Oh my soul, not going to get you harassed anymore by the world. Oh my soul, I'm content with what God has provided in this ordinary, mundane life of people and places and spaces it's enough. I'm grateful. And it's a call to return to true rest versus synthetic rest. Remember at the beginning when we were talking about all of the things we do to divert from work and then we end up tired and wired and wanting more? Well, you understand now where that 
that tension comes from. And you understand that God wants those, all those pent-up desires to be put under one place, under God and in God. And when you do that, the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart, which means that your insides will be full, you'll be content versus wanting, right? But to do that, you're going to have to see what God models, and you're going to have to see what God messages in his word, which is he models stopping, and then he commands stopping because what he models for us is meant for us and what are we stopping from work we're stopping from wanting we're stopping from worry and we're sending a message make no mistake and we're saying to the world the flesh the devil anybody who's watching god god's enough and enough crazy sped up culture right this is an act of defiance and resistance and faith my ordinary life that I have right now, I'm going to be content with and I'm going to be grateful for and I'm going to enjoy it. So do you want that life? Do you want to send that message? Do you want to stop being restless and find true rest? Well, God has shown us the way, but here's the thing. You're going to have to fight for it. Every one of these disciplines, the discipline of slow, right? The discipline of quiet, the discipline of rest. You gotta fight for these things and win the beach in your lifestyle, right? You gotta win some territory in your lifestyle. So the next little header is want it, plan it, and do it, okay? So I just wanna, let's just, if you're like me, I need simple. So number one, set aside a day, all right? That's number one. Number two, clear the schedule. It's right on the note. So. What I'm saying, you don't have to write down if you download the notes. This is your game plan. This is your battle plan. Set aside a day, clear the schedule, turn off your phone, and that will take an act of faith. Communicate in advance. This is Sacred Saturday. All right, from Friday evening through Saturday, through Saturday till five or whatever, or through to Sunday morning, 24 hour, right? Through to Saturday night. Friday night to Saturday, if that's your day, I'm just picking a hypothetical day, it could be uh, Wednesday night to Thursday night. God's not concerned. He wants you to take a day, expect a day weekly. Turn off your phone. Then, when you begin that time, just invite the Holy Spirit, all right, to help you stop working, stop wanting, and stop worrying. Right, Holy Spirit, help me stop working and give me some guardrails on that. And if I, I kind of float into that, remind me, Holy Spirit, help me to stop wanting, help me to be grateful, Help me just enjoy my family, my friends, life-giving things. Uh, invite the Holy Spirit to pass you. Then, here's number five is really important. Um, rest and worship, listen, in whatever way is life-giving. What does that mean? Could be just phones off, family meals together, all right? Fellowship, sleep in, rest, right? Read the Bible for a long time, just no... No hurry, no schedule, no meetings, right? Sing, pray, have sex. Yes, you heard it here. You have permission, right? To do what is life-giving. Connect with your kids, connect with your wife. Hike, walk, enjoy creation. That's worship too, 
right? So don't be just one dimensional. Rest and worship is I get rest by doing things that are life giving, right? Versus what? Things that create more restlessness, right? Number six, enjoy who and what God has given you for 24 hours. And number seven, this is just just kind of what you're gonna sense. Let your soul catch up to your body. That's what happens when you stop working, like God says, stop wanting, like God models, and stop worrying as God commands. And let God be God over the rest of your life just for 24 hours, you know? And you'll find if you fight for it and you you express a little faith in God and, and what he expects on a weekly basis, um, your soul is gonna catch up to your body. You're gonna feel different. Your blood pressure is gonna go down. There's just gonna be some new health in your life, new health for your soul. It's gonna return to its rest. It's gonna experience God, hear God in a new way. I love this quote by Walter Brueggemann. Um, He says, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. So it's the concept of living from rest versus the world's way, which is diverting myself through activities of rest, which don't touch the soul, which are not God's plan, which don't come from Scripture. God makes it pretty easy for us. But God says he's going to bless that day. He's going to bless that time, right? And so this is going to be a challenge to win slow over hurry, quiet over noise, rest, true life-giving, soul-filling rest. You know, just me recently coming off uh, a sabbatical for the first time in 58 years, I, I was given the space by work to do that. And I'll tell you, some of you men who can do that, you need to do that. All of us though, we can win a day, a week, where we let our soul catch up to our body. Maybe we take a week and we go to a retreat, you know, location and get coached. It's okay to get coached. I got coached. I think I failed really the first three weeks of my sabbatical. Epic fail, F. But then I began to get quiet. I began to slow down. I began to breathe, right? And I began to stop working, stop wanting, stop worrying, finding places and locations out in nature where where I could do that. Got on a bike, went to those places, got in the car, went to the beach. And man, for the first time in a long time, some new things happened inside my soul. So I want to encourage you as um, a rediscoverer of Sabbath, um, how important that is. And really what it communicates, I love that, that, you know, you're saying to God, you know what, your invitation to imitation Jesus, I accept. Um, You're enough. Um, And you're saying enough already. To the world and giving it the Heisman, sticking it to the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you're saying, you know what, this ordinary life is sacred. You know, my where I live, what I have right now, 
the people in my life, and I'm going to start doing some things with them and enjoying them turning off that, that phone. So um, I hope this was helpful. I know it's going to be a battle, but if you guys start practicing this and you win it, I really, or maybe you can just email me, Kenny L at Everyman Ministries. Kenny L at everymanministries.com and just say, I'm in. I'm fighting for it. Just as your first act, all right? I'm just going to say amen, say a quick prayer for you, and let you win rest over restlessness, all right? God bless you. I'm praying for you. Pass this along to a friend who might need it. We'll see you next week.